but you can hear, you know, his, his sweetness is the only word I can remember because he was a sweet guy. You know, I mean, you know, when you saw him, I, I don't really think that his uh, acting was too far away from what he, where he was really at. I think that's what the kind of guy he was. And, and you know, when the people love you, they love you. The David Cassidy Connections with Louise Poynton. Cherish the legacy. Hello and welcome. My guest today is legendary singer-songwriter and producer Felix Cavallari. He formed the Young Rascals in 1965 and enjoyed a string of hits, including Groovin', Good Lovin' and A Beautiful Morning, music which became the soundtrack for millions of lives. Born in Pelham, New York, his father wanted him to be a doctor. His mother wanted him to be a classical pianist, and he studied that for eight years. He once said, music heals, so maybe that's what I should do. Felix was a member of Joey D and the Starlighters, best known for their hit Peppermint Twist, before he formed his own group. They later changed their name to the Rascals, and went on to land a number of accolades, including 10 top 20 singles, 4 number 1 hits, 6 top 20 albums, a Grammy nomination and four Hall of Fame inductions. David recorded two of his songs, How Can I Be Sure and Lonely Too Long, the recordings coinciding with the acquisition by his then-producer Wes Farrell of the entire Rascals song catalogue. From his home in Nashville, Felix talks to me about how the Beatles were his inspiration. He shares his observations of the pressures of stardom David's interpretation of his work and why he feels more people should be aware of David's talent. Felix is still touring today and our conversation starts with me asking him about producing David. Would you have ever liked to have produced him? Well I love producing so I have to say yes you know I think that's a that's that's part of our, our uh, uh, you know so-called uh, musical uh, career that's fun because uh, you know, when you do your own music, there's there's a certain type of different thing, you know, that you you have to pay attention to. Uh, but when you do someone else, now you have to pay attention to their their wants and wishes and their talents, and so it, it brings out a lot more in you, you know, than you than you have just yourself. I mean, talking to myself, get, I get a little bored, you know. <laughs> so talking to someone else is always a joy, you know. Yeah. You know, he really liked to do our songs and things, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I feel like I know him a little bit. I knew him a little bit, you know. Did, yes. did you like his interpretation of, of your music? Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of like a real kind of like a, a treat to have someone take up, you know, your song and, and do it. Uh, you know, it, it shows the different personalities and the different, you know, the different ways that they, they approach it. And uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, of course, I liked it very much. Yeah. We so also that, I found out have another thing in common that was kind of strange. I had no idea. We both had eye operations, and we both have that so-called lazy eye, which has driven me crazy for centuries. You know, but yeah, I didn't know that. You know, and and you never know. He's such a good-looking guy, man. He was a fantastic-looking guy. You know, I do know that he was very troubled. You know, and and I, and I can relate to that as well. You know, I understand that. Uh, you know the the. The music crowd, so to speak, can be very cruel. You know, uh, when when they typecast you. Now they typecasted us as well. You know, when we started, we had this crazy idea. I don't even know where it came from to put on these costumes. You know, the reason for it was that uh, we had to wear a suit and tie to work, and we were really trying to get away from that. So we we came up with these these knicker outfits. Well, that stuck with us, just like the Partridge family stuck with him. You know, we cast it aside. We changed our name from Young Rascals to Rascals. And still there was this segment that brutalized us, so to speak. And I know they did that to him as well. Yeah. And I know that must have that must have really bothered him because, you know, I mean, he was a talented guy, obviously. I mean, he did a lot of really cool things. I mean, he, you know, he was Broadway. Uh, you know, he, he, he was certainly a very successful television person, you know. And music as well. 
So anyway, I kind of feel feel kind of like a compassion for his, <clears throat> excuse me, what he went through. You spoke just now about the, the marketing image that you, you went through and clearly David went through. Do you feel that that damaged his credibility within the industry, that people couldn't look beyond the Partridge family, well, his Partridge image? I mean, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure that it, it, it might have, it might have. But I, I think it, it more did more damage to him emotionally than than to, to his career because he had a pretty good career. He did very well, you know. And and his fans, I mean, you're living proof. I mean, you know, uh, you can't deter when people like someone. They they like it for whatever reasons they feel. You know, and, I mean, and 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 it's really a tribute to him that you're you're doing this and you have been you know writing a book and you know because. He's been gone for a while now. That that's that speaks for itself. Yes. As far as people in the industry that would get deterred by that, well, mm. I don't know. You know, because you know, unfortunately, we live in a capitalistic world, and if they can make money from you, they they don't really care about too many other things. You know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and as you say, the the impact psychologically and emotionally, especially on someone who. When he broke through, it, he was only 20, 21 years old. Right. You know, that you have to mature very quickly. He, he's be... a very sensitive man as well, which just doesn't yeah. help. You know, that's why I have, I have daughters, uh, one of whom has a phenomenal voice. And, you know, I, I deterred her from going into the business because, you know, if you're a nice person, you're going to have a tough time, you know. Yeah. And obviously he was a very nice person, you know. And, uh, you know, I think he came across genuinely uh, on the screen, which is why people, you know, adored is the only word I can say. We were speaking just now about how musicians inspire each other. I mean, you were at the, the cutting edge of seeing the Beatles in, in Hamburg Correct. before they broke through. So you had a front row seat to what the Beatles were experiencing. <laughs> what can you remember of those observations of the screaming girls? Here's these guys with the long hair. Well, I was at a crossroads, or crossroads because I was a student at Syracuse. I was studying pre-med and I took a year off and I took a summer off to go and work with a band. And when I was working with that band, I, I was discovered, so to speak, by this, this group that was in Europe, Joey D and the Starlighters, who was on tour and, and they, they're, uh, one of their uh, musicians quit. And uh, so they remembered me and they called me to join them in, uh, on, on tour. Right. Well, that was a major thing for me because you know, I was really young, 19, 19 years old, and uh, I uh, uh, really had to make a decision, you know, uh, do I want to go into the music business or shall I go and continue with, you know, my pre-med course? I really had no idea. Uh, I, I knew that people liked what I did, but when I saw the Beatles, it kind of rang all kinds of bells because what happened is, you know, my initial reaction, obviously, from the screaming was, what is going on here? I mean, you know, we had no idea in the States until the following year, approximately, you know. You know, it was kind of new. Uh, oh, wow, look at this. And then the second thing I did is, is, as a musician, I listened and I heard. And basically what I heard was like a singing group, you know, a very good singing group. I was not that crazy about their, their band because... You know, there's a, there's a difference between when they played American music and when they played their music. Now, when they played their music, it was liberating. I mean, it was nothing like it. And so I said, wow, you know, wow, I could do this. You know, I really felt I could do that. In other words, I wasn't going to see someone that I didn't feel like I could, I could do that. You know what I'm saying? It, it inspired me. Plus, I must say, the, all, the, all of the, the lovely women screaming and hollering aff affected me as well. But it really been a turning point again in my life because I said, yeah, I, th I think I could do this. Mm -hmm. you know? And so what happened is when I went back stateside, I had a little time to, to pass because of the wonderful uh, U.S. draft that we had in those days, the Army. Yeah. And when that passed by, uh, I, 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 I started the group. Where did your love of music start? Were your parents but, influential in? Oh yes, you know, well, well in, my, in my in my behalf, yeah. Uh, when I was five, my my mom uh, 
she uh, uh, wanted me to be a classical musician. She started me off real young, saw a little talent. And so I, I studied very, very seriously for about eight years, uh, very seriously for two or three lessons a week, you know, which was a little difficult for a young boy because I wanted to really, you know, play sports with my friends, but uh, I got a great education. And then, and then basically what happened is one day I, I went to a junior high, as a matter of fact, it was my first or second day of junior high, and I was seated behind this, this fellow who was, who was to become one of my dearest friends, who turned around and asked me if I liked rock and roll. Now, I had never heard, I didn't have any idea, because they kind of sequestered you a little bit in classical music. They wanted you to stay pure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I said yes. And that evening I went home and see, we had the good fortune. I grew up about 15 minutes from New York City. And uh, when Alan Freed brought a rock and roll to New York from Cleveland, I was there. That's exactly where I was. And so basically when I tuned in, again, another revelation, because I heard people like Fats Domino, Jerry Lee Lewis, pianists, Ray Charles, doing something that I... I had absolutely no idea what it was, but I liked it, yeah. you know? And so I, I started to say, well, let me see if I can do that, you know? Let me see if I can do that. And fortunately, <laughs> at the beginning of, of rock and roll was, for a classical trained person, pretty easy. So I, I, I just developed this this love, and, and, and I heard talk about artists that inspired me, you know? In those days, you, you didn't have the influences of, of, of basically a, a, a computer being able to tune your voice. They, I mean, I can make mistakes all I want now on my keyboard and I can fix them up immediately, just like your word processing, you know? Yeah. People don't even spell anymore. They just let the computer... Well, we didn't have that. So the people who came up in those days were brilliant. I mean, they were magnificent talents, you know? And that's that's the bar we had to reach you know so i i, I was very fortunate you turned your back on becoming a doctor you yes. turned your back on classical music right suddenly you're going to be a be a rock and roll star well i didn't know what i was going to be i just knew that uh, god was pointing me in a direction <laughs> that seemed to be going very very easily you know i mean even though like you know, the, the formative years were, were a little bit difficult because of the fact that you had to find work, you know, because after all, you know, once, once I left Joey D's band, you know, uh, I, we were on our own. So we were very fortunate, but my idea worked. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I had an idea. When I saw the Beatles, I said, wow, singing group. How about if I put some great singers together and some great musicians together? Well, I had a limited sphere of influence, but New York's a big city. So I was able to find some really talented guys. And we had a deal in six months. We we hit just right. And, you know, the the forces were, were with us. There's no question about it, because the way things fall in place. Through all these years, I studied with a, a, an Indian a guru. And he always used to tell me that when things are supposed to happen, it's smooth. Just like our Zoom meeting went pretty smooth today, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was able to get on, and and when things are not supposed to happen, they, they kind of rub. Yeah. So I, I felt like this pull to do this, you know, and it worked. I had to, of course, go through some parental, uh, you know, situations. My dad, my mom had passed, so I, I really did not have that tremendous influence to push me toward the classical. You know, yeah. and what I didn't like about classical was the fact that if, if I made any alteration in what Mr. Bach or Mr. Schubert did, the teacher would respond with, that's not how it's written. So that's when I noticed that I, I had creative abilities, you know, because I was trying to create something that I shouldn't have done. You know, Well, pop music allowed me to do that. Right. And certainly Beatles allowed us to do that. I mean, I don't know if people realize the influence that those guys had. And I had the pleasure of knowing them. I worked with Ringo and I kind of know George. I knew him the best. Right. Um, and, uh, but I mean, one day I asked him, I, I said, you know, to George, I said, do you have any idea of the power of you guys as far as influencing our world? You know, because I mean, they, they were, they were really, you know, and, and he, he just very calmly said, yes. I mean, that's a tough 
thing to carry when you're walking around like that all the time and you know that every move you make, you know. But musically, what they did for us, and of course, you know, they opened doors for us. You know, like, for example, if they hadn't have written Yesterday and Michelle, I couldn't have done How Can I Be Sure. See, the radio had to play the Beatles. They didn't want to play that music. They had to play that music. So bottom line is now the door is open for me to do How Can I Be Sure? Because that was a kind of like, a you know, Michelle, my bell, you know, that, that softy side. So today I don't think we would get the time of day. But, you know, because the, the radio stations are no longer diverse. You know, they're, they're programmed for demographic sales, which is sad. But the influence that those, those those gentlemen made, because, you know, they're all knighted and for very good reason. I mean, you know, I went to a McCartney show a couple of years back, and I think after the fourth or fifth song, I was going like, you know, <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous, the talent. It's, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. So that was our bar. That what we had to reach to. So, you know, I just, I just get that to say, because that's, uh, that's something to be real proud of. Your song, Beautiful Morning, that was inspired by the opening of Yellow Submarine. Well, that's another story. That's a lovely story. Yeah, that's a lovely story. You know, in those days, uh, we were a little, you know, zen, to say the least. You know, we had a lot of zen things going on, you know, this environment that we're in. And I heard that, the Yellow Submarine, and, and, and what it said to me was, wow, what a great idea. They're creating an environment and that environment is a sound environment within music so that therefore you're in the submarine and i said that to paul he looked at me like i was balmy <laughs> i said what a great idea he said yeah of course you know, i don't know what they had in mind but that's what i heard you know but then also um come on up was inspired but by the opening guitar chords on a hard day's night is that right? Well, a lot of things. I mean, our guitarist, uh, uh, Gene Cornish, he, he was he was a, 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 how should I say, a British invasion person. He really wasn't an R&B person like, you know, we got known for because of the fact that, you know, three of us were from, from uh, like down in the city or uh, in New Jersey. He was from upstate New York. He was really exposed. He was a Beatle. He was a Beatle, and and he was also very influenced by the uh, the uh, 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 what do you call the like the uh, blue suede shoes type of things, you know, yeah. uh, down south here. But so he brought that in, you know what I mean? He brought that kind of style in, you know. I guess uh, it comes from uh, from from uh, that era, yeah. Yeah. And as a group, did you always want to write your own music? Yeah, I, I did, and and again, go back to the same thing, you know. Beatles did it. Why can't we do it? You know, yeah. Stones did it. Uh, a lot of the people did it. Even some, you know, John Sebastian from the Love and Spoonful. And, you know, of course, Bob Dylan really opened that door. But prior to that, as you well know, you know, you went to publishing houses and got your music. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, they were professional writers that wrote. And then, as a matter of fact, our first record was from that source, was from a, 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 an outside source. You really weren't allowed when we started to do your own music live the right. clubs that we worked in were, were in those days over 21 they were um they they, they, they wanted top 40 they wanted uh, songs that were known mm -hmm. so they discouraged that they really weren't interested and that happened much later right did you find that frustrating as a creative person well you know i was just having a really good time you know i mean i i i just I, you know i i work with a lot of people over the years like you know we're very good friends with zombies and kinks and you know i see this even ringo the same thing you love to play you know ringo obviously does not have to play doesn't have to go out and perform you don't realize how much you miss being on that stage and being in front of people and and and, uh, and just enjoying what you do, it's, it's, it's really uh, something. It's really okay. something, you know, you don't know it. And, and if you don't have that, then I think you should really stay out of this business, you know, because, you know, you, I, I tried, I, I, I've been writing a book and let me tell you, that's not an easy task. Oh no. <laughs> so I don't know how many you've written, but I, I think I'm going to stop at one, you know? Yeah. yeah that, that was a lot of work. Do you believe that songwriters have the power to speak for the world? I was thinking of your song, People yeah. Got To Be Free. 
You know, I really do. Uh, you know, basically the, the way I was taught uh, about uh, music uh, origins is that it was always, always that. In other words, the people who created sound with instruments were telling you something. They were trying to tell you something. Either they were talking about, you know, their God, maybe plural, or their environment, you know, uh, maybe they're emulating animals or it's always been, I think that, you know, like we're no more in touch with, with things than, than regular, regular, you know, folks. But if you're going to look up to me for my music, I'm going to have to tell you something. That's how people got to be. Because I, I, don't, I don't want you assuming that I'm on the wrong side. Right. I want you to know where I'm coming from. And that's that's what I told the record company when we had people got to be free. They did not want that to put, be released. Yeah, the the uh, the record companies, you know, they, they have a, a philosophy which is very simple. Uh, let's make money and le let everything stay put. Uh, if if you if you disrupt, your, well, a perfect example of those Dixie chicks that came over to your your country and you know made a statement and and my goodness, the trouble it caused. How ridiculous is that? Yeah. I mean, seriously, you know. But uh, I, I always felt that, you know, okay, let's just make sure that you understand where, where we're at. And, uh, you know, we had a different situation in, in that we were the first uh, black, a white artist on a black label. Yeah. You know, Atlantic, yeah, they, they, were, they, had a, they had a subsidiary label that they put Sonny and Cher on and uh, people like that. But we were the first ones on the red and black Atlantic label. And uh, I was so proud of that. Yeah. Because half of my collection was all, all from that, uh, you know, stable, so to speak. But yeah, I, I, I do think that, you know, we have a right to to say our piece, you know, and that's uh, that song there. I was uh, working for Robert Kennedy, as a matter of fact, and uh, it, it was terrible. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a crushing blow. I, I was I think I was I was dating this lady who was actually present at the assassination. Mm. And I have, she's, she, will, she will never be the same. I mean, that, that must have been quite a shock. Our new president-elect on a Saturday evening do, a, uh, do a, I guess, a speech. And, and they played some music there, you know? Yeah. And, uh, ah, man, I said, we should put one of my songs in there. I mean, I'd love to be part of that whole celebration. It's really cool when you hear, like, you know, you hear your song coming over there. Like, you know, for example, uh, People Gotta Be Free was played uh, when they broke the Berlin Wall down. Was it? Yes. Oh. And man, I was like, yeah. You know, I mean, that's 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 something that you know just brings your, you know, it's like, oh wow, yeah. But it, that was that was really cool, oh, you know. Things like that, you know, they stick out, you know, and maybe nobody notices it, but you notice it, you know. Oh, that's of course. Nice. Well, I I think musicians are 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 kind of like required to do that. I mean, if you go back, you know, to the ancient bards, I mean, that's how they got their news. These they came to the court and they, you know, they sang their, their stories about the other places that they visited and whatever they could tell. And I'm sure they, uh, they probably ticked a lot of people off in those days too, but you know, that's, yeah. that's what they were there for. They were bards, you know, and uh, we've got a gentleman over here who, uh, I don't know if you know, Roger Cook, do you know that name? Yes. Yes. Well, Roger, Ro Roger reminds me of those bards. I mean, he's like, a, he's an old English bar just what it is he he plays on a, a, a little ukulele yeah you know yeah. when he writes and of course he's super talented man i mean my god he's written so many things but he's he's a he, i live in nashville he lives in nashville as well right. that's how i know so when did you write your first song oh i i don't know uh long time ago you know basically uh you know as i say as a boy i i like to extrapolate i, I like to just sit down and uh, just play and whatever happened happened and, and I guess they were songs even though they were you know not recorded so that that creative spirit I, I think should be nurtured in in young people because you can develop it more and more and more and more and more or you can quell it you know make it go away uh, and and I, I just wanted to keep doing it because it really felt good to put something down on your fingers that you like playing and singing to you know it, it's a good feeling of, of kind of like new imagination you know it, it's a wonderful and, and i hope never to lose that so well you know some of the great artists of the world they they, they don't want to hear them or see them you know what i mean they just put them in this corner you know 
Have you got lots of music that has never seen the light of day? Not a lot, but some, you know, I, I, I mean, uh, in, in the old days, you know, we, we, we had to work pretty hard because they, they wanted two albums a year, you know, and so we, we pumped them out, you know, but yeah. uh, so we used almost everything we had then. And uh, well, I moved here to Nashville for the purpose of writing. But I'm interested now as to how you wrote, How Can I Be Sure? How did that song evolve? And how do you compose a song? Do you come up with an idea? Do you come up with the lyrics? Do you come up with the melody? There was a lady in my life at that time. I, I, I found out years later that they, they have this thing called a muse. <laughs> I had a muse. I, had met, I, I fell in love with this young girl because I was a young guy, but she was, you know, and, and, and I was so inspired from that joy to write uh, love songs. And uh, lo and behold, I started, they started coming out like, you know, right and left. I've been lonely too long was first. And then, uh, you know, grooving on a Sunday afternoon, which is about us being together on the, on the weekend because we're working as musicians. And so everything came out, girl like you. And, and then all of a sudden, something changed and we were engaged and then something just said i'm not so sure of this i don't think this is i i, I kind of woke up from this dream that i was this lovely dream that i was having i said what, what am i doing you know i'm too young to be married number one number two the spell broke how can i be sure well so um you know, I had a writing partner in those days, Eddie. Right. But I, I, I would write the song, and basically what I would do is I would start with music, because the music really came very easily to me. And then I would do kind of like what McCartney used to say about that song, The Scrambled Eggs, you know, which became Yesterday. You know, you start singing something, and you don't know where it's going, you don't know where it's going, you don't know where it's going. And then, and then after you've done this two or three times with the same melody and the same music, Sometimes a, a title will come into your head, something like, oh, we could talk about this. Oh, we could talk about this. Well, in my case, how can I be sure? I was really talking a little bit more about the relationship, but we felt we should expand it, you know, because of the kind of like double entendre, you know. So when, when, when I gave it to, to Ed, because I, I, I would write more serious lyrics, uh, and, and, and he was more kind of like a little flowery, and so he, you know, he was more attuned to the kind of like genre that we we're attracting, and 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 he had a lot of trouble with that one for, for for some reason. He had a lot of trouble with it, so we had to work pretty hard on that. As a matter of fact, I I just found out years later that he uh, required the the help of his brother, which he never told us. Oh, really? For that, yeah, for the, yeah, he had a tough time with that, but but it came out very lovely, and it's one of the songs I'm real proud of. And that's why when David did it, uh, I was really happy because you know it, it got a new audience. Do you know how many times the song has been recorded? No, no, uh, I, I know it's been recorded a few times, but you know, as I say, it's just a. Uh, it's a great thing I feel when somebody feels inclined to to redo something that you did. I think it's a quite quite a, a nice thing. It's a very difficult song to sing. Do you agree with well, that? Well, yeah, it, the range of it is what it is. You know, it it'll push you to uh, you know your upper limits. You know, it's really interesting. Sometimes a different key will make a big difference in the way that song uh, uh, kind of uh, projects. You know, uh, I had this lovely man that I worked with named Arif Mardin, who was just the most lovely human being, as well as one of the most talented. You know, we had the pleasure of working together for all those years, and we kind of pushed him a little bit hard on that, so I can understand that, yes. Where do you rate David's version of How, how Can I Be Sure? You know, the public really decides what's really good or bad. I mean, it's not up to us to decide what's good and bad because, you know, um, after all, uh, unless, you know, like the publicity campaign is just overwhelming, they either like it or they don't like it. Yeah. That's how I feel. If they like it, it's good. You know, I don't know what to say because they like a lot of things that I just don't understand today, yeah. you know. But then again, I don't know. I guess my dad used to say the same. I don't understand it, but that's what they like. Fine. You know, right. yeah. 
Do you do you know at all why David's version the ending was changed? He didn't sing rather I'll be sure with you. Right. Because no. that almost brings the whole song into a complete circle. See, that's the circle that we were questioning. Yeah. No, I was wondering if you had ever spoken about that. No. no. No, they all finished it the way the rascals did. Yeah, exactly. But his version didn't. And Poetic license, I guess. It's, it's well, notorious. it's a good question. I guess we'll never know the answer because they're all gone. Where, where would you rate his, his version amongst those that you have heard as, as cover versions from, from other artists? Well, I, I wouldn't know where to rate it, frankly. You know, like I say, I, I, I don't know how you rate you know, performances like that. It, it's a difficult uh, scale because from one to 10, what's 10? You know, I mean, seriously, you know, is it ever as good as the original? I don't know. I think the original carries a certain, you know, kind of special onus on it. You know, I, I don't really know. I, I, as I say, I, I enjoyed it, you know, and a lot of people enjoyed it. And that should really speak for itself. I have no idea. As, as a, a singer yourself, what is so special about David's voice? Well, you know, uh, David, <laughs> I think is what it is, you know, like, uh, there's a sweetness in his voice that must have been part of his whole personality. You can, you can tell when somebody's sweet, you know, you can tell somebody's nice and they got a good heart and vice versa. Sometimes the speaking voice uh, will, will betray you, you know, like, seriously, when, when, when you sing, you go to a little different conscious level of your being. And it's in most cases a lot deeper than, you know, the present tense that we're in, you know, when we speak. But you can hear, you know, his his sweetness is the only word I can remember because he was a sweet guy. You know, I mean, you know, when you saw him, I, I don't really think that his uh, acting was too far away from what he, where he was really at. I think that's what the kind of guy he was. And, and, you know, when the people love you, they love you. You know what I'm saying? And he was loved. And you can't say that about, you know, you can't say that about too many people, uh, you know, especially in the music business right now, because, you know, they've, they've kind of changed that to, well, this guy's a bad guy. So we ought to admire him. And, and, and that's another reason why he had so much trouble, because he was a good guy. Yes. See, good guys have trouble out there sometimes, you know, especially... You know, during the turmoil that we were going through in the 60s, you know, the good guys kind of took a little backseat. You know, it was kind of like, you know, all right, you know, you, you got to be a badass now, you know what I mean? And, and that's too bad because, uh, you know, for example, my, my wife, I mean, she's like a flower. Mm. I mean, I have to be real careful being an Italian around a flower, you know, because Italians get a chance to we get a, a little bit boisterous, you know. There are flowers out there that we need to we really need to pay attention to, and I, and I think that the 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 the, the, the supposed, mostly of course the women who who, uh, who who felt that, you know, uh, loved him. That's why a lot of gay artists are really so uh, popular. I mean, you know, they they love them. They feel this. They feel this gentleness. They feel this, and they hear this in your voice. I believe you can hear a person's soul through his voice. I, I, or I, I really do, you know, yeah. and, and, and they heard that. Yeah. Now you put that into, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, musical terms. I don't know if we have a musical term for that, you know, mm -hmm. you either are or you aren't, you know, and I believe he was a real nice, nice human being to say the least. Yes. And that's why, and many people have observed that he was manipulated by the industry, his yeah, his credibility and what he could really do and what he could really sing and his musicianship is forgotten about. Well, I, I, I guess you're keeping it alive, you know, but, you know, the, uh, the business is very cruel. Uh, most businesses are, are very cruel. You know, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to make this about me, but as I said, I studied with this guru for many years and I had the good fortune of being very close to him so that I could go to him and, and, and sort of take, have a therapy lesson, <laughs> you know? Well, I would go to him all the time and say, why is our business so cruel like this? I mean, why, why do they, why do they treat us like this? 
you know, for various, you know, business reasons. And as you say, uh, you know, personality reasons until finally one day he said to me, see, they changed my name. My name was not Felix for him. My name was Palita, P-A-A-L-I-T-H-S, which, which is the name they give you to. He said, you got to understand that's, that's how the world is. That's how it is. Kind of grow up, man. And if you don't want that, come with me. We don't have that in our world. We don't have the material world, you know, the Madonna material world. That's where it's at. The world, especially the music business. You know, you know I remember when, when, when uh, Rolling Stone, they came out with the first negative reviews of the Beatles. The negative reviews of Stones. There was no real negative reviews prior to these guys coming out with this. And then all of a sudden, we had a new journalism. Right. Negativity. We're going to knock the artists. We're going to knock the stars, the people we love. And look, look, look where we're at now. Yeah. now. Now let's see if we can find the bright side of that coin. Because the bright side of that coin is disappearing on us, isn't it? See, uh, the people around you when you're in the music business uh, can can make you or break you emotionally, financially, you know, spiritually, physically, you name it. It's very important, you know, and, and it took me, well, how many years? I, 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 I mean, I, I found a, a manager finally in my late sixties, really, who really had it all, the compassion, the honesty, the integrity, and the ambition. You know, not to knock the people I was with before, but most people, they, they don't understand, you know, like you, when you're a manager, you're responsible for this human beings. You know, many of us, there are exceptions. We're, we're not really good businessmen. You know, that's not our thing. You know, we're artists. We're a little bohemian. We're a little crazy. So we need help. You know, we need people, you know, to, 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 to nurture us, to take care of us, not to baby us. We don't have to be babied. But I mean, the bottom line is we don't know. So that's why it's 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 really important for for uh, people to have. Uh, I don't know if counseling is the right word, but you need to, you need to find some place that can take you away from that. Whether it's therapy or whether it's you know some sort of like uh, yoga or something. But we we can get you away from there. We can get you out of there. But you got to come. You got to you got to come look for it. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm very blessed. Believe me, because, uh, you know, I had a mom who was extremely spiritual. I mean, that was ridiculous, you know, and uh, that that kind of uh, took over my life. But if you have some help from the from the inside, because it's inside. I mean, look at Michael Jackson, for God's sake. I mean, what a terrible story. I mean, my God, you know, you don't get any more talented than this guy. This guy was absurd. Look, look what happened. I mean, look, look, you know, and it's very easy to go off the deep end and, and uh a lot, a lot of artists, uh, they don't have family anymore. If you don't have family, you're pretty much done. Because, I mean, if you don't, you're just lost, man, in the wilderness because they don't care. I'm sorry. You know, it took me a long time to grow up and realize. So if you're sensitive, a sensitive being, and you want to come into this, well, it's not only this business. I mean, look at the pol political arena. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know? So, you know, like I say, I, I think people, uh, uh, you really need a, uh, I, I wrote it, so you need a peaceful place to hide, you know, because it's tough out there. And if you're a nice person, you got a problem. You really do. That makes you angry. <laughs> hmm? or, well, or, or uh, disappointed in people. It ain't fair. <laughs> yeah. It ain't fair. But that's, that's how it is. You know, like, like I say, that's why families are so important, you know, and people that love you around you, keep them around you, you know, because when you're out there, you know, like you're stranded, man, you're all by yourself and everybody's an employee. You know, it's not good. It's not healthy. And that's one of the things that people just have to realize when you go into this business. Did it sadden you? Did you observe what was happening to, to David in the 70s and think, oh, you could see what... I certainly understood it. Yeah. I certainly understood it, you know, and, and we, we, you know, most of the people who, who are, are like uh, performers or, or artists or whatever the right word is, they do fear rejection. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 a lot of the people who are in show business are pretty shy, you know, 
and then this alter ego comes out when you go on stage and you're this whatever whatever you are mm. and then you know but but seriously the, the, you're not like you know the the life of the party all the time you're like the guy in the corner until somebody goes isn't that <laughs> yes yes that's me you know yes. so you know they they if if they take advantage of that you know to uh, uh unfortunately push you around unless you have a protective uh like a manager or or somebody uh in a lot of cases you know the, the women in people's lives and the men in people's life turn them around i mean to go back to ancient history i mean bing crosby you know the man was an alcoholic until his wife said hey look dude you could be a huge star get it together man you know and he did and look what happened yes. you need help you can't do this by yourself and that, that's one of the lessons that i really learned. you can't do this by yourself you need you need other beings that's why we're here all he really needed was a guru or he needed somebody who was who was willing to kind of take him you know away from what was going on because i'm sure i'm sure he went through a, a lot a lot of pain as a result of it i know he did i can see it i can read it about it and you know in 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 in, in some of the print that's been exposed about him yeah yeah it was tough and it's hard to sometimes ask for help to yeah it. and it's even failed. harder to get it <laughs> yeah yeah it's admitting that you've failed in some area of your life where the rest of your life is a huge wow. Success. I guess that's one way of looking at it, but I, I, I think that, you know, we're all imperfect, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. If, if you strive for perfection, you know, then you can't say, well, you know, or I guess if you're perfect, you don't need any help, I guess. Is what it is. <laughs> but no, I, I understood him. And, and as I say, when, when he did pass and, 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 and a lot of uh, biographical material came out at that time because, you know, it was a news item as well. You know, then you really found out that, that you know the changes that this guy was going through, which is a shame. You know, because you know, I wish I could have been around him, but I, I, I'd have helped him out, man. I'd have straightened him out. You know, if I could have, because I, I, I know the path to, to heal. I, I, I learned it, and uh, I tried to share it. As a matter of fact, with Jimi Hendrix, because uh, we had the same attorney. I, I tried. You know, uh, oh yeah. Uh, you can see when somebody's, you know, going down the hill the wrong way. You, you could see it, you know. And uh, uh, but I didn't get a chance to to see that with David because, you know, I, we, we, we our paths never really got like that to cross. No, no. I mean, you know, things happen for a reason, you know. And uh, you know, it just wasn't meant to be, I guess. When people like you say, "I wish I could have been there. I wish I'd." See? I wish I'd picked up the phone and yeah. just made contact with him. And yeah. so many people have told me that. Oh, good. Well, that's nice. See, that, that's another uh, kind of indication of how uh, people felt about him, you know, because yeah. uh, that's a nice, uh, a nice, nice, nice way to think is that, you know, I wish I could have been there for him. That's, that's nice. I think that's very, very, very uh, uh, God-given. I, I think that's excellent. Yeah. yeah. See, a, a lot of people, I mean, when you're a star like he was, uh, you're kind of isolated too. You know, you you can't really, you know, show that side in public. Uh, that, that'll that that'll hurt you, you know, because, you know, you, you, but still, and, and you're not that easy to reach. I mean, you know, in some, most cases, you know, people don't know how to get to you, you know. Mm. And then you have to be careful who you let into that circle too. There's... There's so many crazies out there, you know, take advantage of you and et cetera, et cetera. But we all have our so-called karma, you know. And all in all, I think he had a pretty good life. I think he did very, very well for himself in a lot of ways. And the candle just burned out a little bit too soon, that's all, you know. But uh, a lot of really wonderful people have left us very early, you know, Mozart being one, you know. And, yes. you know, you, you do your thing and, uh, you know, kind of like the Buddhist philosophy, you um, you come back and try it again. Maybe you get it right this time, you know? Yeah. I mean, David also recorded another of your songs, Lo Lonely Too Long. I know that, yes. When he did that live, man. The yeah, really, great. The different orchestration that he introduced. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's any YouTubes of that around, uh, of the oh, live. I've, I've got something somewhere I'll, uh, I'll email you. You get a chance. I'd like to hear that, because I never heard it live, of course, you know, but. Oh, I tell you, him live, I saw him live in 73, when he played the Wembley Empire Pool over here. Oh, you know, 45, 48 years ago. It was um. 
believable. Okay, I'm only 15 years old. It's the first pop concert I was ever allowed. Oh, really? There you go. But he was singing Crosby, Stills, Nash, Chicago. Uh-huh. He was doing a eight-minute drum solo. He was doing guitar solos to Blues Power from Clapton. Mm. Wow. He was so far removed yeah. from the image we'd been seeing. Yeah. Oh, yet, that's great. Yet nobody seems to have turned around and wanted to acknowledge it in any way. I mean, you, you, you're, you guys are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do you assume that's somewhere that door will never open for him because of the politics that are involved? With all due respect, that's all that really is, is politics. I mean, seriously, you know, like being in, involved in all of these halls of fame, I realize, I, I, I understand where they're at, you know, I mean, I, I, I understand completely. I think like being knighted must be a lovely thing. I think that's still pretty pure. But this uh, this business that we're in here, you know, like I, I know exactly how you get into these halls of fame. And uh, merit is part of it. But politics are major parts of it. You know, the, but when you have a, a producer of the year award or a record of the year, you make a lot of money. You make a lot of money because, well, that allows for corruption to take place. And, and that's, 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 that's the sad part. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, for David Cassidy, his Hall of Fame should be people like you. Because I see it in you when you're speaking, you know. You can't ask for more than that. <laughs> you know, like we just lost Eddie Money. You know, Eddie Money? Yeah. And Eddie, Eddie used to tell me all the time, I mean, he was the funniest guy. Man, I gotta get in the Hall of Fame, man. My kid think I'm I'm nothing. You know? It's not that big a deal, man. You know, you know, I mean it's great and I, I don't belittle it, but you know, I also know the process. Yes. The process is what, you know, is, is the difficulty. You have to be nominated yes. by a select board. And therein is the rub. There's your problem right there. We vote, but who do we vote for? That's very governed. In other words, if you've got a diamond, it's your job to bring that diamond out to light, you know. And if you don't do that, there must be a reason. I mean, I didn't even realize that he played all those instruments myself, tell you the truth. It's a shame. But, I mean, that's your manager's job. That's somebody that's got to push you in that direction. You need some help doing that. You can't go out and say, hey, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. You need somebody to go out for you and say, this guy's great, you know, or this woman's great. But it's hard to find uh, people who care enough and have the talent enough to do that. And then there's a lot of reasons why. You know, artists, they have a tendency to be a, a little bit whiny and babyish. And, and a lot of people who have that type of marketing skills in mind, they don't want to put up with that. You know what I mean? So they go to Wall Street and become billionaires, you know, instead yeah. of using that. And it's true. There's exceptions. Garth Brooks is a major exception. He's a marketing genius, this guy. Yes. He's on top of everything before it happened, but he got a degree in it as well. You know? ah, well, there you go. Most of us don't. That's not our thing. You know, we, mm. we don't know how to do that. You know, no. right brain, left brain, perhaps. No, I, I've seen many instances of this, uh, uh, you know, like in, in the music world. Like, for example, there was, a, there was a gentleman by the name of Roger Lynn, L-I-N-N. He invented this drum machine many, many years ago. Mm. And it was brilliant, except for... He couldn't sell it. And then along came this company from Japan called Akai, A-K-A-I. They merged. It became like a household uh, instrument. You know, that side and this side. You know, they, they, they put it out here into the world. They simplified it. He, he developed it. I guess that's, that's the great plan that's out there for us. We could change more than, more, than, more than I care to talk about. It, you know? <laughs> we can make, we can make some, some, some wrong road decisions. And, and, and most of us... Can, you know, we know we do that too, yeah. you know, but I don't know. As I say, you know, music business is a rough, rough world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of like interesting what's going on right now because far, far removed from the days we're talking about. I mean, we're so far into a different planet of capitalism with this with music business that's today. It's, it's just a different Different, different whole thing, and so by you know being being in Nashville here, I see so many people moving here. This has become like a mecca for people who want to 
write and record music. Uh, it's kind of like the, uh, the Hollywood for actors. This is for, uh, for musicians and songwriters. And, and, and unfortunately, the road that they've got to climb these days is, is pretty steep. Mm. It's pretty difficult. And who's at the bottom to save them? Well, I don't know. You know, I, I think that, you know, they have to just realize that maybe I should have a second job, you know. And I, I mean, it's kind of sad because I see this spirit in a, a lot of these people that, uh, you know, they really want to do this. You know, they want to do it, but it, it's not for everyone. Do, do you as a songwriter and as a performer um, feel a certain amount of responsibility when people come up to you and say, you and your music? have had a huge impact on my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that tremendous. Well, you know, I'll tell you the interesting thing is that as we get older, we're hearing a lot about people who we influenced who are no longer with us. You know, that's the sad part. When they come up to meet you at the end of the show, my brother loved you. He wanted to hear, and it, you know, and that, that gets a little tough after a while because, you know, like you say, okay, now, Guess what? The clock on the wall, man. It's, 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 I had a, a, a much nicer story that I'd rather leave you with as far as that subject is concerned. I went to this show. I was up in, I believe it was, I, I was in Albany, New York. And this gentleman, I was backstage, and, and this gentleman was with the audience. It was an outdoor. And he says, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, man, what's happening? He said, I want you to have this. And he gave me his dog tags. And I said, well, what's, what's this about? He says, you saved my life. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I was over in Vietnam. I was part of this, I think it was a Navy detail that goes up to Mekong Delta to pick up the wounded. And I saw that you guys, Rascals, were going to be on this television show called Hullabaloo, and they were going to air it. So I said to the captain, I said, excuse me, can I, can I get on the next boat? And that particular boat never made it back. So that's the kind of stories you get. You go like, Blimey. wow, yeah, got it. Absolutely. Yeah, I still have those. And he wrote a, 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 in a book about that as well. So it's a true story. I mean, you know, you really influence people's lives. Yes. And uh, you influence them because of the same reason that, that I was trying to tell you is why people love David Cassidy. You feel him. You know, you don't know him, but you feel him. You know, they feel you when you sing to them. And yes, they are singing to you because you're listening to it. And, and, and that's a very intimate relationship, especially with these ear things you put in. I mean, there's nobody there but you and him. You know? yeah, yeah. And if he has the soul that touches your soul, see, that's, that's the thing. That's what music has that, that, that not too many things have. See, it's a very powerful, powerful way of communicating with human beings. Yeah. Wasn't Billy Joel, wasn't he inspired by you to become? Yeah, well, you know, being, being coming from New York uh, as a musician, it was, you know, we, we opened a lot of doors for these people. He's a little younger than us. And so, yeah, sure he was because, you know, I'm a keyboard player and singer and writer and, and so is he. And he's also a very, very talented guy, man. Yeah. So, but uh, I've got to know him over the years and, uh, you know, he's always, uh, he's always acknowledged that type of respect, which, which I really appreciate. That's very nice. And you've performed at Madison Square Garden with him. A few times. Yeah, he, <laughs> he has a regular residency there. He had before all this hit, yes. you know, uh, he would be there once a month. He's been there once a month for an unbelievable amount of time. And so if, 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 if he knew I was in New York, uh, he would invite me up to, to sing, you know. And, and it, it was a joy. I mean, there's 17, 18,000 people there every time he played. Wow. And, of course, music has taken a major hit. Major oh, hit. God, yes. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, did a, I, I did, finally did a show uh, in October out in uh, uh, out in California, outdoor, it was wonderful. It was a casino that had a beautiful facility in the mountain range, and 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 it was done very, very, very clinically because everybody was six feet apart in the audience, you know. And of course, it was outdoors. And my band, I, I mean, I have I have a group of guys I've been playing with down here in Tennessee for the last 15, 16 years. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we're, we're like a family and boy, we really missed one another. My God, it was amazing. You know, you go on to do the sound check at three and the show is at eight and they stayed from three till 7.30 when they had to get dressed just to play. See, that, that, that's what's missing. But we're, we're in a little bit of trouble with this in the music industry. I, I know there's millions of dollars have been lost for the, uh, for the uh, promoters and the, 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 the venues and of course the people who are the crew you know, and the sound people, and they're, they're completely out of work. I mean, unless they can find another outlet. And there, there are other outlets that they're developing thanks to the uh, internet. I wanted to ask you um, just two more questions before I let you get on with the rest of your day. What do you consider your best work? Uh, some of the some of the songs, obviously, I mean, the How Can I Be Sure is in Beautiful Morning, I, I think really stand out. I recently did about two years ago uh, my music with a symphony here, and that that really really was a pleasure because hearing those things brought to life uh, with an orchestra, seventy piece. We have a wonderful orchestra here in Nashville. It's really one of the best in the country right now. Uh, I wish I had a recording of that, and maybe I'll do it again and hopefully get that. But that that would I consider to be my best version to hear it all orchestrated like that. Wow! I was only saying to someone the other week on one of the podcast episodes that I did we were talking about David's legacy and the need for his unreleased back catalogue of demos unreleased versions alternate versions uh -huh. be released and I suggested that a lot of his music and the Partridge family music should be given the same treatment as they did with Roy Orbison the Carpenters and Elvis, uh -huh. and put his voice to the music of the London Philharmonic Orchestra oh yes would that be nice? Oh. Yeah, that'd be that nice. Would show how powerful his voice was. Yeah, yeah. Well, it can be done. You know, I mean, it, it just you just need some help uh, and a finance, and and it can be done. It's a great idea, actually. Yeah. Recently, there was a fire out in Universal out in California, and a lot, a lot of genuine masters of product really was destroyed yeah that's a big thing storage is a big thing you know i mean columbia used to have a vault and they probably still do with all of those things and tape has to be transferred because it can deteriorate you know so yeah. that's a big big issue is, is where do these things exist but they do exist somewhere that, that would be a great idea which personal story um has brought you the biggest lesson in life personal story on my behalf yeah mm. Well, man, there's so many, my goodness. You know, uh, I think right now uh, with uh, you know, the present time, I think health really has the number one priority in, in our lives right now. And, and the reason I say that is because one of the lessons that I have learned, the lesson in life is you really have to pay attention to your body, your mental and physical health and spiritual health. Otherwise, it's not going to be fun getting older. But right now, that's my biggest life lesson. Take care of yourself, you know. And thank God I've been taking care of myself. You know, I, I had a, a few things in my life. I don't know how much time you have. I don't want to bore you with it. But I, I got into exercising, uh, and uh, it stuck with me. And thank goodness, because really life lesson right, right now, that's number one. Keep healthy. Well, you're looking good on it, Felix. Well, like I say, I'm very, very fortunate, you know, because uh, I've got a wife who, who insists on organic. So we keep, she also insists on staying away from everybody. So <laughs> we're going a little crazy, but uh, yeah. uh, no, I, I'm in good shape. I mean, I have no complaints. I've got lovely family, lovely kids, and they're all growing up well and grandkids wow. and not too many complaints in this life. Well, that's good. But what do you... Um think David's legacy will be or should be well I, I think basically you know seriously I, I just think wish people could be a little bit more aware a of his talent as you were saying about all these all this this, this they, they don't know that obviously but I think that uh, you know like um, for example this this fellow that just passed Alex Trebek you know who he was he was, uh, yes. he was this fellow I mean, he's, they love this guy. They love him. And, and I think that more attention should be paid to the fact that David was loved by generations. They love this guy, you know. So maybe your book or somebody will come out with documentaries and, and bring that to the public, you know, so they can see 
this is his legacy. He was a nice guy, man, who was talented, you know. And okay, he was brutalized, but remember him like that. Just remember him like that. And 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 I'm sure that all the fans and all the people who feel like that will make his legacy what it's supposed to be. And as far as the public, I don't know if that'll ever happen, because they have to exploit. If there's nothing in it for them, they're not going to. They're not going to do that. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's just the way it is. You know, yeah. if there's like in other words, if somebody was to buy the rights to all this wonderful music you're talking about, or the Partridge Family uh, outtakes, or something like that, if they can make money from it, they would make a lovely legacy for him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I still think, you know, seriously, the, 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 the generation that loved him is all he needs, man. That's it. If you have that, you're a lucky guy. You're a lucky person. Think about that. Yes. You know what I mean? Like if you have God knows how many people that adore you or adored you, you're doing okay. That, that's, that's how I feel compared to the opposite. Yes. I wouldn't want to be on the opposite where people really dislike you and really felt, you know, like, thumbs down you know yeah. uh that's that's that should be enough of a legacy for everyone i really believe that yeah no that that's wise words i mean when he passed seven million people took to twitter there in the go. 24 hours after he passed um hey, it yeah. was like the monkeys the same thing with the monkeys david yeah. david was a good friend you know david I mean, they, these were talented guys. I mean, like, there's no question. Peter, Peter is gone. David's gone. You know, they, they, uh, they, they had a tough time because they succeeded in that television world, and to su succeed in the television world in those days, you had to have a certain kind of, uh, you know, Ozzy and Harriet type yes. personality, and that, that didn't go with it with the music business. The music business became very, very nasty. You know, and uh, that's one of the things when I first started writing my book, you know, I had people approach me to write a book and they were looking for some really bad stories. Mm -hmm. I don't have any bad stories. Right. <laughs> you know, I can't interest you, you no, know. No, that's right. <laughs> and and, and they, they just weren't interested. It's like, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're a decent human being. Oh, well, then, you know, sorry, we can't write about you. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the thing, man. He was a good guy. Yes. You know, that, yes. That's, that's, that's really that. And, 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 of course, the fabulous talent. Mm. Sweetness, man, is very important. That's a very lovely word. I think, it is. I think you've nailed it with that. That's that's what it is, and and you know, I, I, it's it's sorry that a lot of people don't feel like that, but I, I think more people feel like that that don't want to say it, you know. So yeah. I, I I just wish that uh, you know um, David had really been been able to be helped. His legacy uh, will probably be around forever. Yeah. What I like to do is make the audience sing. You know, and then that bond increases, you know, and they remember just like you say, oh, oh how lovely, how lovely. Well, I guess that's there today. I don't really know uh, if it's as widespread as it used to be because we are so segmented, you know, even in the music business. Oh, my goodness, you know. Mm -hmm. But that, that, that's one of the things of, of, of the old days that I, I, I think trend comes, comes forth now. Yeah. And and the young people, they look back and say, what, what was that you guys are talking about? Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. But music heals the soul and it can heal oh, no, the no. world. You know, like when we go to Japan, for example, I mean, you know, you just look in the audience and I wonder, do they really understand all the words? But the joy in their eyes, you know, they just, they love this. You know, I had one guy, I, I did this show a few years back and he said, I want to be your son. <laughs> I don't know how how do you interpret that, but that made my day. You know, <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's yeah, funny. it's a joy. You know, and 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 in, in in what music brings to people, and if you can put that on your in your uh, yeah, what do you call it, obit? Yeah, you're doing okay. That's how I feel. Yeah, <laughs> it's always interesting that the the amount of love. The, and enjoyment that everybody gets from music, whatever its genre is, oh, whether yeah. it's classical, that's, that's whether it's gift. pop. That's the gift right there, you know, and, and we, we really need that right now, yeah. you know, just, we really need it. And, and, and you know, I, I've always felt that Europe, Europe really keeps the arts alive much more than America does, you know. Oh, it's, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the uh, jazz musicians, for example, they had to go over there to uh, 
overseas to to really be appreciated because they don't make that much of a living over here, you know. Right. So they go over there and they, they you know they have these phenomenal lives over there where people. I hope it's still like that. I don't know, but it used to be many years like that, especially in France. You know, they 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 love uh, talent, you yeah, know, creative talent. Yes. And uh, so they they go there, and you know, we kind of lose them over here. Well, we all sing. How can I be sure? Any time. Oh, that's any lovely. Day. That's lovely. That's great. <laughs> well, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, oh, speaking yeah. with you, and uh, oh, well, it's been superb. Yeah, well, good. Loved and it. I will go on Amazon and I will make sure that I, I get a little bit of more of an insight into David that uh, that you can give us in that book. Well, Felix, yes, I have adored this afternoon. Well, thank you. And what a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for taking your time as well. And, well uh, thank you for your time. You can go and have breakfast now. Or... No, I'm fine here. <laughs> and uh, uh, all the best. Felix, thank you so much. Take care. Thank See you. See you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.